Welcome to our time of prayer and reflection on the 19th of July 2020, the sixth Sunday after Trinity. Let us pray. Creator God, there is so much that is strange in our lives at present. Help us to pay attention to your creation so that we may see you in the common and everyday. Shepherd Jesus, as we walk through this rapidly changing world, help us to know you walk with us. If our path runs through the valley of the shadow, may we see your light and know your comfort as you lead us. Comforting Spirit, as we go about our ordinary lives, surprise us with glimpses of holy ground. Blessed Trinity, Creator, Shepherd, Spirit, surround us with your love, now and always. Amen. As we approach this time of prayer and praise, let us with a gladsome mind praise the Lord for he is kind. Oh, yeah. 
a reading from the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 12. There is no other God beside you whose care is for all people, to whom you should prove that you have not judged unjustly, for your strength is the source of righteousness and your sovereignty over all causes you to spare all. For you show your strength when people doubt the completeness of your power and you rebuke any insolence amongst those who know it. Though you are sovereign in strength, you judge with mildness and with great forbearance you govern us. For you have power to act whenever you choose. Through such works you have taught your people that the righteous must be kind and you have filled your children with good hope because you give repentance for sins. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 86, verses 11 to 17. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Knit my heart to you, that I may fear your name. I will thank you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and glorify your name forevermore. For great is your steadfast love towards me, for you have delivered my soul from the depths of the grave. O God, the prows rise up against me, and a ruthless horde seek after my life. Yea, they have not set you before their eyes. But you, Lord, are gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and full of kindness and truth. Turn to me and have mercy upon me. Give your strength to your servant and save the child of your handmaid. Show me a token of your favour, that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed, because you, O Lord, have helped and comforted me. Amen. And a reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let the weeds and the wheat grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them in the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. 
let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of the Lord. Breaking news, there will be no apocalyptic harvest, a talk for the sixth Sunday after Trinity. Jesus gives out terrible farming advice. In his parable of the sower, the sower apparently did nothing to prepare his field. He didn't clear any rocks or pull any weeds. He didn't plough the soil to soften the earth and bury the remaining weeds. No, he simply went out into a field with a lot of rocks and weeds and trampled down hard ground and flung the seed to the four winds. So much seed, happy for it to land anywhere. Jesus' scene of ordinary rural life contains this bewildering action, so ridiculous that it can't be about real farming. Instead, it must be about the extravagance of God, who from now on we can call the prodigal sower, who generously sows his seeds of love, peace and grace, without prejudice or privilege, without bounds. Yes, Jesus is a ridiculous agriculturalist. Listen closely to his parable about the wheat and the weeds, the one which follows on from the story of the prodigal sower in Matthew, which is framed as one of those apocalyptic rants so beloved by those whose religion is toxic and based on harsh judgmentalism and enmity. Listen closely like a farmer would to the detail. And what you'll hear is one line which jars, because once again it's Jesus giving out terrible farming instructions. Let the wheat and the weeds grow together until the harvest he says there in verse 30. Now, this is comical agricultural advice, and it is knowing, subtle, subversive teaching, which runs the risk of being misunderstood. Here, in apocalyptic tones, Jesus is retelling the oldest story ever told among humankind, the story which always goes like this. We are the wheat, and these others over there They are the weeds, and for being weeds, we're condemning them to hell. This story is what holds groups of people together. We identify ourselves in opposition to others. We are the upright ones because we're not like those degenerate others. In Jesus' context, the wheat were his people, the Jews. The weeds, the Samaritans or the Romans or collaborators like Zacchaeus who collected taxes for the enemy, each of them judged to be weeds by the self-righteous wheat who condemned them to hell. Let the wheat and the weeds grow together until the harvest. That one line in Jesus' story subverts the whole thing. It undermines the whole passage, making it all seem unbelievable. It has the same sort of effect as the way that one man's recent actions, a trip to Barnard Castle, subverted the government narrative which to that point almost everyone had faithfully followed. Stay home, save lives. That little twist in the government's tale so undermined its credibility that the following weekend the beaches were full. 
What point was Jesus trying to make by undermining the old antagonistic human story? Those who worked the soil would understand that if you let weeds grow up among the wheat, then there will be no harvest, no harvest of any worth anyway. For how can you separate wheat and weeds at harvest time? It's an impossible task for the reapers. The whole long summer's work has been for nothing. Is Jesus saying that there can be no harvest, like the apocalyptic harvest so beloved by toxic religion? Is he teaching that the idea of wheat and weeds being separated at the end of time is not at all what God has in mind? If this is his intention, then he is drawing on the deep wells of his own scriptures and ours. Listen again to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 86, which come across as the words of someone who other people, regarding themselves as wheat, have judged to be one of those condemned weeds. O God, the proud rise up against me, and a ruthless horde seek after my life, he says. They have not set you before their eyes. But you, Lord, are gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and full of kindness and truth. And listen again to the wisdom of Solomon, whose reflections on the nature of the Divine One lead him to conclude that there is no other God beside you, whose care is for all people, to whom you should prove that you have not judged unjustly, for your strength is the source of righteousness, and your sovereignty over all causes you to spare all. Though you are sovereign in strength, you judge with mildness, and with great forbearance you govern us. What do we make of this message that God does not after all spend his energy angrily separating people into two camps to subject one to violent judgment, but rather rules the world in compassion and kindness, for his instinct is to spare all. If we had taken it to heart from the beginning, then 2,000 years of Christian enmity and bloodshed, crusades and death camps, slavery and rancour might have been avoided. If we take it to heart now, we needn't be troubled about what an angry God will do to us at the end of our days, and instead can spend our days enjoying the fellowship of a God who truly, madly, deeply loves us and is all for our care. This is not to deny us the opportunity to resist evil when we see it at work in the world. It's an invitation to do so by other means than resenting and fearing and judging others, by reaching out to a broken world in compassion and care. Think of the effect on our divided communities and conflicted world if we take to heart the teaching that we are all wheat and we are all weeds, that no one group of people is any more or less perfect than any other or any more loved than any other in God's eyes, that all lives truly do matter to God of every race, class and creed formed to live together peaceably. What sort of society could we create if we acted on the Sermon on the Mount? Judge not and be not judged. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus' resurrection power makes it possible. Surely this is the good news which saves us.
as Solomon says, you have taught your people that the righteous must be kind and you have filled your children with good hope because you give repentance for sins. In the parable of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus invites us to turn away from our fixation with the wrongs of others, to put aside our instinct to judge, our dreams of annihilation, and to embrace others in love, in the power of the resurrection, for this is the way of the kingdom of God. Jesus points us away from judgment into joy. By his spirit we can change our understanding, change our direction, in openness to the reality that God is doing a new thing in creation and human society and has a place for us within it. Let the wheat and the weeds grow together. It is awful advice for farmers, but it is the joyful way of the new life which God in Christ every day invites us to live. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you do not judge unjustly, but with mildness and with great forbearance govern us. You are our peace. You break down barriers and surpass human laws. You teach us to judge graciously, to let the weeds grow together with the wheat. When hostility divides us from neighbours, when division spoils our friendships, when enmity stands between nations, break down the barriers and unite us. By your cross, you reconcile us to God and bring us into harmony with one another. Lord Jesus, be our peace. Amen. Let us bring to God the prayers of our hearts for those who are unwell and in need of God's healing and help today, naming Joan Robson, Jane Lodge and Peter Reed, and offering the names of others in this moment. We pray for those who have died and those who mourn them and miss them, particularly Jane Cowperthwaite of Newby, late of Oswick. With the Worldwide Church today, we particularly think on a rural mission Sunday of our sister churches, in these rural areas in which we live and in all rural areas across the UK and the world, praying that our witness to God's goodness may be strong and faithful and a light to our communities. We pray for the Diocese of Leeds particularly the area office staff who serve the needs of the parishes and with the worldwide 
Anglican Church, we pray for the Episcopal Church in the Philippines under the leadership of Joel Atiwag Pachau, the bishop, and all God's people there. Let us take a few moments of quiet to offer to God the prayers of our hearts for ourselves and those close to us and for our wider world. Creator God, you made us all in your image. May we discern you in all that we see and serve you in all that we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God of our pilgrimage, you have led us to the living water. Refresh and sustain us as we go forward on our journey. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And as we travel that journey, we do so in confidence that there is a wideness in God's mercy. Thanksgiving 
blessing of the one be with you in your solitude, the blessing of the three be with you in community, the blessing of the creator refresh you in your discipleship, the blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit keep you in the communion of saints now and always. Amen. <laughs>